0: Higgins and Sacco.
1: Alright, here we go. Thursday afternoon. Busy day on the show today. Brian Higgins. Mario Sacco with you. Brought to you as always by Fron and Son Funeral Home. Two guests today in the upcoming hour. The Crunch are scalding hot. Scalding hot. They cannot will not lose. At the War Memorial, we'll talk to one of their centers, Gage Gonsalves, coming up in about 15 minutes or so. It's still not settled with one or two games left for all the teams in the AHL, but the crutch are uh, for sure in the playoffs. Season ends this second. They'll be hosting uh, their opening playoff series, or they'll have the home seat anyway, in the best three out of five. So we'll talk to Gage coming up in 15 minutes. We'll get into uh, the NFL draft from a Bills perspective coming up at 3.30 with Matt Beauvais from ABC 7 News out in Buffalo. The Bills have the 25th pick tonight, so latter stages of the first round, and we'll see if they are content to wait until the latter stages of the first round to make a selection tonight. So with that, uh, Mario, here we go. And uh, draft night tonight, Uh, my Giants are still sitting there at 5-7. and Uh, We're we're getting closer and closer, and I don't feel better about anything yet. That's just the current state of uh, Giants fans, I think. But uh, the big news out of the Giants organization earlier today, and uh, this is something that I, I think will enter the mind of GMs Throughout the league tonight, as we look at a weaker than normal quarterback draft, uh, the Giants about an hour ago, hour and a half ago, declined the fifth-year option of Daniel Jones, which would have picked him up for not this upcoming season, but 2023 at $22 million. So uh, they are content to plan out with Jones uh, this year and uh, see where they're at. And, you know, Mario, that is not what you want for a top-10 quarterback. You almost assume you're going to pick up that option. And... Here we are sitting tonight. Your Steelers need a quarterback at twenty. Uh, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and others are sitting out there. And, and man, you, you got to be uh, you got to be itchy if you're a GM to see other teams not picking up a a, fir- a, a fifth year option uh, on a first round quarterback like the Giants declined to do today.
2: Yeah, the biggest question mark coming into this draft is that quarterback position, and no one thinks that there's a, a quarterback in this draft that you know is an All Pro type of caliber quarterback. With that being said, you have the Giants that we just mentioned, obviously not picking up Daniel Jones's option. What are they gonna do? Um, in we talked, you know, last week and uh, actually earlier this week about you know the Giants' situation and do they have faith in Daniel Jones? And obviously, you know, th- this kind of proves it that you know you gotta be looking for a quarterback, and, and I don't think it's gonna come in those first two picks that you have, but maybe a, a guy like Sam Howell comes to you in in the second round, and do you? Do You pull the trigger on a guy like that, or you know, or do you go another way and hope through free agency that you might be able to sign one? So the quarterback position is the most intriguing one uh, for me. Come tonight, um, we might not see it. Maybe in the first round, depending on you know who goes as quarterback, it is Malik Willis the first quarterback off the board? Does Carolina you know pull the trigger on, on one of the quarterbacks at that sixth spot? Um, do the Steelers trade up? and pick a quarterback. Uh, I don't know, and, you know, the, the top of the draft is, is, you know, not set in stone, but, you, you know, the guys that, that up there uh, as far as the Walkers and the Hutchinsons and, and stuff like that, you know, the Derek uh, Stingley Jr., the cornerback. Um, so once a quarterback goes off the board, I think you'll see some shuffling, uh, and I think it hinges around that sixth pick of Carolina.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting tonight with that stuff. Uh, I mean, I've been uh, neck deep in the mock draft stuff today just because when your team's got two top seven picks, you don't have to scroll that far into the article to get what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, there's just some general movement. Trayvon Walker, the Georgia defensive end, has become the Vegas betting favorite over the course of the last handful of days for the number one pick over Aiden Hutchinson, the, the DN out of Michigan, that statistically anyway outproduced Walker by leaps and bounds in college, which is interesting to see. And then uh, there's the three offensive tackles sitting on the board with Icky Aquano, who we've seen play against the Arge So often at NC State, I, I really like him. If you're telling me the Giants get Evan Neal from Alabama, that's great. Uh, Charles Cross from Mississippi State is starting to be projected to them. I'm always a little uh, itchy about a, a Mike Leach offensive tackle because they, they usually don't know how to go forward. They can only go uh, backward because they don't <laughs> run the ball ever. If the Giants take Cross, uh, we, we got to get Garrett Schrader on the horde at some point to, to ask him about that. So he'll have uh, some idea about about how that goes. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, you mentioned Stingley. He, in some mock drafts today, kind of out of nowhere, is up there at the three-pick to the Texans over Cincinnati Sauce Gardner yeah. as uh, the first corner taken in the draft. Uh, Gardner, a guy that's been projected to the Giants. And again, Mario, it's the quarterbacks. It is always the quarterbacks. In almost every year recently, if it's a strong quarterback draft, supposedly or not, people start doing... Like at the last minute, things go haywire, and you're like, "Huh? Four quarterbacks went in the top ten. How did? Why is Matt Corral the 13th <laughs> pick in the draft? And at least, again, the mock draft trends. These are not the actual draft trends yet. The mock draft trends today have that going in the other direction. I saw it was either Kuiper or McShay. One of them had Malik Willis fall into your Steelers at 20 without them having to uh, to do anything. A lot of them had Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback uh, taken today instead of Willis, which had been the prevailing thoughts. Uh, for the last month. So I do not know why their thoughts are all magically changing on this draft morning, if it's just for clicks or if it's actual information. But man, the quarterbacks, it always stands out. And I don't think any of them are necessarily worth a salt at the NFL level. But man... That's the story, isn't it? It's always the story of the first round of the draft, at least now for the last 10 years or so.
2: I mean, Brian, this is six months in the making, and the NFL draft is, is the biggest, you know, especially the first round, the biggest show, so to say, that, you know, nothing really comes out of it. I mean, you're not going to see <laughs> these guys play until August. So, I, I, I mean, you, you have all this time to, to do your mock drafts and what Kuiper and McShay are probably on their 320th uh, mock draft by now. And, you know, maybe one more before things get underway here tonight. But (laughs) when you look at at the quarterback position, Brian, and and I'm asking from your – we'll go from your Giants perspective first. If if a quarterback is there – put it this way. Do you think that they have someone in mind at the quarterback position that they want that if they're there, they're going to take no matter, you know, if it be in the first round or, you know, early in the second?
1: The Giants, um, no, I I you don't think, there's think too that. many
2: holes to fill. Otherwise, that you know they're set with Daniel I, Jones and going, going from there and seeing what Brian Dable can do with him in one year.
1: Well, I think I mean, hey, because there there is a greater than zero chance that you know a competent coaching staff and front office gets their hands on Jones and starts fixing the roster around him a little bit, and maybe you see something you want to see that you resign him on the cheap. Uh, for like you know a, a shorter term deal, and you do bring him back in in twenty twenty three if you know he meshes with the coach, like he does have skills, yeah. like that that is a non zero chance. I don't think it'll happen, but that's that. I mean, that's a legitimate thought process to entertain. I also, and this is me, I I hope that they're not thinking that they think Malik Willis or Pickett or these yeah. guys are coming in to replace Daniel Jones, because what that is, that's drafting Jones all over again. Yes. That's taking the top quarterback in a draft that doesn't have a quarterback. And, okay, so you got Jones, you've signed Taylor, Tyrod Taylor. Are You've got, you know, random dudes around hanging out as a third quarterback that don't really matter. Do Do you want to spend a high second round draft pick, which is realistically what it would probably take, to get you know a corral if he slips out of the first round, a Sam Howell who at one point was uh, one was of the, the favorites to be the top coming, pick of the draft. Yeah, coming in this year,
2: he was the the favorite guy. And you, yeah, it was him
1: him and Spencer yeah. Rattler. Remember him?
2: Yeah, and and Djokovic before he decided to come back uh, to Boston College. Yeah, you know, all, all the hype on him. I, I, we, I preface the question by saying you know we've seen Malik Willis for the last two years play at Liberty against Syracuse. We've watched obviously Kenny Pickett in the year year that he had. Why do you think I'm just going to focus on those two? And I look at Kenny Pickett's game, and I think he's an NFL quarterback. And I'm not an NFL GM. I'm not an NFL scout. But but why aren't these guys you know projected to to be one of those you know quarterbacks that that can make it in the NFL? Uh,
1: I think honestly, it's look at the last um, whatever it is few years. Um, Kenny Pickett, he's a really—I mean, what a season he had! Unbelievable the, yeah, season. The throws
2: that he was making—I don't—he had a—he had a Blitnikoff winner, you know, to, to throw the yeah. football to. But yeah, Jordan you, Addison
1: was all over the joint,
2: you know. But I would watch him play, and I'd be like, you know, those are NFL type throws. Like,
1: yeah. No, he's an NFL quarterback. What I don't see Kenny Pickett as is a Super Bowl quarterback. And realistically, the way the NFL is right now. You are not going to win a Super Bowl without one of those guys. The Bills have one of those guys. Now He but, hasn't done it yet. Josh Allen's yeah. one of those guys. Uh, the Super Bowl last year clearly had two of those guys. Joe Burrow can win the Super Bowl. Matt, Matt Stafford can sling it as good as anybody. I'm not a huge Stafford guy. But, hey, I mean, he went out, won the Super Bowl, and he's got arm talent for days. I mean, you Patrick Mahomes, yeah. he exists. Like, but the there, thing and, is, coming you know,
2: into those drafts, there were question marks surrounding those guys. You, you I mean, you, the the, well, the guys yeah, you just funny. mentioned, Josh Allen. You know, he, there was no way at the point in time that Josh Allen was drafted when the Bills took him. That you know, everyone thought that he was going to be what he is today. And, and I, I see coming into the draft. You know, like Kenny Pickett has more had more of a ceiling, not so to say, than a Josh Allen. I'm not saying Josh Allen and Kenny Pickett are are, are the the same player. By far, but you know, if you're looking at their college careers, you know I think Kenny looked better in college and going into a draft than Josh Allen, and I just don't understand why that you know he's not being looked at as a top 15 pick.
1: I almost see I'm seeing it the other way. Like I'd say the Josh Allen, if there is one of this year's draft, is Malik Willis. Um I don't think the Giants at 5 or 7, the problem is, yeah, you can get him. I'm sure he'll be there if you want him at those picks. The problem with the Giants is you do not have uh, the roster infrastructure to protect a guy like Willis, where honestly – I look at your team in the Steelers. If Willis is sitting on the board at 20, he's going to Pittsburgh. And I realize I'm talking about literally the same human being here. If Willis is sitting there at 20 between Mike Tomlin, between those wide receivers, I know the line's a little bit of an issue. Like the Steelers defense always figures something out. And you have Najee Harris Uh, to (laughs) hand the ball off to. You got Najee Harris. Like if Willis is there, if I'm sitting there, if I'm at 20, and I'm the Steelers, and say all the quarterbacks are on the draft. Pickett, Willis, whatever. I take Malik Willis at 20 because I think he's got the highest ceiling, and he is in a stable organization. That potentially, you look at Roethlisberger. Like, what was he coming out of yeah. out of college? I mean, he was a great player, but you know, he, he could have gone either way. I'd take Willis at 20. Would I take Willis for the Giants at 5 or 7? I think that is a recipe for um, disaster. But we shall uh, see how that goes. The good news is when we talk Bills at 3.30, they got the answer to the question right. They got Josh Allen. At the time, I thought, oh, man, 50% completion percentage in his last year in college? Well, this is why I'm not making the picks, and the the Bills are uh, knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. So we'll talk to Matt Beauvais about that at 3.30. Immediately next, we'll talk some crunch. They've won 11 straight. In the warm boiler, What a time to do it with the playoffs starting here within the week. Gage Gonzales, Crunch Center, first full year in the AHL. He joins us when we come back. It is Higgins and Sacco. It is Thursday afternoon in the Q. Sun so Q Talk.com at ESPN Radio.
0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportstalk.com. Talk.com. <laughs> this is Higgins and Sacco.
1: roll right, along here on a Thursday, or effort to engage solve us right now we, we've heard he might be in the back nine somewhere so the crunch guys getting uh, getting loose on the course today this is hockey guys for you uh, Mario it is I don't know what it is 45 48 degrees out with it's sunny it's nice and sunny in Syracuse, no complaints about that but it's uh, it's windy so I you you wouldn't be catching me on the golf course today, but but hockey guys, you know, a lot of them are for Canada. Gage is from British Columbia. Beut- beautiful day out today for the Canadians to to yeah. hit the course with the sticks and uh, get get a few up, huh? Yeah, you you see the sun out, you're you're jumping to the
2: links, and we we talked. Uh, interested to see who that foursome is. Uh, Darren Radish, yeah. Kepsky told us they like to go out and play as well, so we're efforting for him. It looks like he might be on the line here shortly, but no, they've been. I went to the game last night. It kind of worked out for me. I did a little piece on Johnny Beecher, who played for Providence, Mm -hmm. uh, played for the Syracuse Nats for two years up here, had a huge family uh, drawling come up here. You know, he's only been uh, turning pro. It was his seventh game last night. He scores a goal in the crunch win, so it worked out perfectly for me. It was like I, I knew what I was doing, so...
1: It was, uh, yeah, Mario Sacco night at the War Memorial last night, so whether they knew it or, or not. And how about these Crunch, uh, Mario? Uh, 11 straight wins at the War Memorial. Uh, they've now passed Laval in the standings. So, season ends today, and it does not. I mean, there's a couple games left here for these teams, and the way that the standings are, are switched together. So, the Crunch are not guaranteed the two seed in their division. But if the Crunch get the two seed, all of a sudden you got a home ice advantage in your opening round playoff series. And you haven't lost on that ice in like more than a month, so that, that's a pretty good way to get toward the playoffs. Here. Yeah, last night's win automatically guaranteed
2: them that they wouldn't have to play in that 5-6 matchup, so they're at least the three seed uh, as far as the Calder Cup playoffs are concerned, so that would be a North Division semifinal series. A win on Friday, uh, I'm almost guaranteed, would lock up the two seed, so it would lock up home ice for that best-of-five series, and they'd either face Laval or Belleville. Uh, in that series and they have been absolutely on a tear at home ice Uh, a special night for head coach Ben Guru as well last night 220 career wins now uh, at for the Syracuse crunch and that ties a franchise record so you know longevity he's been here I don't know how he's still been here for as long as he's been here because you know he's a head coach that should be getting a shot in the NHL and and we could ask Gage about it Um, I mean we've asked Darren and Cole about it as well but you know he's a fantastic coach and Back on February twelfth, Brian, the Crunch were a game under five hundred. Since then, they've won twenty three out of their last thirty four. It's been unbelievable.
1: That's crazy on uh, in hockey, any level, wherever. That's uh, that is a lot of wins in uh, not a lot of games. Well, we, I think we've lost Gage somewhere on uh, the back nine. So, uh, how about this? Uh, we'll bring in the voice of the Crunch right now in uh, Lucas Favale here with Brian Higgins and Mario Sacco as we roll along today. And uh, uh, Lucas, uh, thanks for hopping on here on uh, short notice. I, I don't know how good of a golfer uh, Gage is, but I, I think he's on the course somewhere. But I, I know the guys are a, a pretty good team right now. This has been a wild run, uh, the Crunch have been on here for the last month plus.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, it's not the nicest day for golf. It's a little cold out there, but more power to Gage for getting out uh, enjoying the day. Uh, but like you said, and I heard Mario just talking about it, yeah, this team has been on an absolute roll uh, for a couple of months now, and it has been fun to be a part of, fun to, to be at all of these games and, and see this team You've kind of felt it evolve over the course of the last couple of months, and and as Mario just alluded to, they were under 500 in mid-February. They went up to Laval. They they kind of got their uh, they they got the the receiving end of their uh, tails
2: kicked in a little
0: bit. Yeah, they they certainly did. They lost all (laughs) three games in Laval. They lost one of them in overtime. But boy, they they just were not in the right place at that point of the year. And you know, Laval is a very good team. They're a very good home team, so it, it wasn't a total shocker. But you thought maybe you could at least get one of those wins and you come back, you're under 500, but boy, they responded. They had Laval again. They played them four straight games. Uh, and the, four, the fourth and final one was here in Syracuse. And they responded in, in a great fashion. And this really kicked the, I guess, kickstarted everything. And since then, it's been a resilient team. It's been a team that, you no, know, if they go down in a game, they find a way to win. If they lose a game, they, they just quickly turn the page and they get right back on the winning side of things. And, Here they are with five straight wins overall, their longest of the year, 11 straight home wins, tying a franchise record. So everything is going right right now, and it has been uh, really enjoyable to see this team, just the evolution of this team over the last couple of months.
2: A couple of things I might credit it to, Lucas, and and let me know if you agree. One, Riley Nash coming on the team with with Tampa Bay getting him. Two, the way Gabriel Dumont has played all season long, You know, a a career year for him and, and being able to kind of stay healthy and three, kind of getting Jamel Smith back into that lineup.
0: Yeah, I think from from the offensive perspective, for sure, that, that's been a, a big boost for the crunch, all three of those. I mean, Riley Nash, first and foremost, has been so good for this team. He scored the overtime game-winning goal last night on a deflection. He's just been so productive. He's been their number one center since he got here. And as Bangor likes to say, it, it kind of shifts everyone into the right chair, uh, where they belong in the lineup. You know, Gabriel Dumont is having a great year and he's, he's approaching 30 goals for the first time in his career. He was for a long stretch, the number one center on a team. And you know, he's having a great year offensively, but that's not what you are relying on Gabriel Dumont for. And, or at least you don't want to be relying on him for that necessarily, because he does so many other things so well that you want him focusing on that more. Uh, but you know, he, he carried the team for the first couple months of the year. Now he's kind of shifted into where he belongs on, in this lineup. And, it has really just lengthened and added more depth to this team of the Jamel Smith. He's still finding his game for sure, but you know, he's such a lethal scorer when he's on his game and when he, when he's in a rhythm, uh, he's one of the great scorers in this league, or at least he can be. So yeah, those three pieces in or into the mix, it's been a, a big boost for the offense. Obviously Alex Bari, refining his scoring touch a couple of months ago and getting on a great run has, has been a big part of it. And then, the key to all of it, I know the offense has been great for this team, but the key for the last month and a half has been their goaltender, Max, like I say, who's 16-2-2 in his last 20 decisions. He's got a minuscule goal against four shutouts in that time. I mean, he's been probably the best goalie in the league for the last month and a half. So you throw that all together, that's kind of why they're crunching where they are right
1: now. Voice of the Crunch, Lucas Favali with us here right now. Uh, two games uh, in the regular season left for you, Lucas. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, both are at the War Memorial as well. Tomorrow night, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and uh, Saturday evening, uh, Laval, The Rocket are in there. Both are 7 o'clock face-offs. You can hear uh, right here on ESPN 977 in the Qs. Uh, we, we've been sorting our way through these standings here for the last few weeks, Lucas, and they got 8 million columns yeah. in it this year. So- Hey, what, did, yeah, good did you luck. How many <laughs> of these games do the Crunch have to, to win? One, two, what, what is it to win to, to clinch that two-seed in the division?
0: Yeah, well, based on our math, and, and we're, we're doing the same thing you are, we're like, all right, is this if this <laughs> happens, I think that happens. I asked based Megan six math, times
2: today, Lucas, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I told her I'm not good at math and might not even be good at sports. So, Yeah, well, thankfully next year it'll all be back
0: down to just points. You don't have to worry about the points percentage when everyone plays the same number of games, but – That's a discussion for next year. Anyway, uh, based on what we have kind of tried to figure out on our own, doing all the math on our pen and paper and calculators and whatnot, uh, Laval plays today at home against Toronto. And if they lose in any fashion, so regulation, overtime, shootout, whatever it might be, if they only, if they lose one point, we all believe here, and we're very confident in that, that the crunch would have clinched second place in the division. So, Essentially, with two days left in the regular season, the Crunch's magic number uh, to clinch the number two seed and home ice advantage in the best of five North Division semifinals appears to be one. So, uh, if Laval wins today, then the Crunch can either get a point on uh, Friday against wilkes or Saturday against Laval. They would lock up that number two seed. So, they're in a very good spot here. Uh, they've got a number of opportunities to, to get that done. Uh, I mean, we know already they can't finish any further down than third, so they've already advanced uh, to the North Division semifinals, the best of five, and they've jumped through that best of three first-round series. So they're in a good spot already and now very close to uh, locking up that, that number two seed in home ice advantage. And like I said, we all believe here in the office that that magic number is at one. Um, I guess we'll we'll find out officially later tonight or tomorrow if, that, if we were correct on that one.
2: Lucas when I look at obviously last night was a special night for winning, you know, the tying the franchise record 11 straight home wins, but you know, head coach Ben grew 220 career wins now and that ties the all-time record uh, as a head coach at Syracuse. When you're looking back, you know, 6 years ago oh. as he walked into to the coaching position to where he is today, what makes him such a stable head coach? and a great head coach at this level.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's been so much, it's been such a joy to, to, to follow along with him and, and be a part of this as well over his time. And I was talking with him today, uh, doing an interview with him and, you know, asking him what it meant. And, and he joked, you know, when he stepped into this position back in, you know, ahead of the 2016-17 season, what he was not thinking of of, of, of getting this record. You know, the, the, the idea is be here a couple of years and then get up to the NHL. Yeah. But here he is six years into this position now, and he's just such a steady, reliable coach. Like, he doesn't change his approach necessarily. I mean, he can adjust on the fly, of course, but he just, he has the right processes in place, and, you know, we've seen it basically every year. The team, they, they get off the slow starts. That's what the Crunch do is he has to kind of teach a new group of players, as there's always so much turnover at this level. you got to kind of incorporate the new guys into his system. they got to learn how to play his style of, of hockey in middle of the year. They figure it out. They get on a roll, and here we are. They've done it again. They've figured it out. They've gotten on a roll. So that's I, I, a big part of why Ben is at that point now, 220 wins with the crunch. And, you know, he, he it means a lot to him. Uh, and we were talking, like I said, with him this morning, and, and that is a number that, although he wasn't his goal when he first got here, it means a lot. This is an organization that is, you know, just about to wrap up its 28th season. There's a lot of history here. And for him to be at that point now with 220 wins and, uh, you know, Gary Agnew was a great head coach for the Crunch, but Ben has done it in a lot fewer games than Gary did it. So, uh, you look at his, you know, win percentage, his points percentage, it is it is way up there. It's second only behind John Cooper, and John Cooper was only here for half a year, and it's obviously a very good half a season. But Ben is, he's up there. He has got to be the best, most consistent head coach in franchise history, and, and you know, we've been very fortunate to see it, and, the players respond to it every year. At some point, it all just clicks, and, and his teams get better as the year progresses, and they get very dangerous by this time of the year, and we hope that continues again down the stretch.
2: Yeah, you mentioned John Cooper. I look back today. I can't believe his Norfolk team won 28 games no. in a row and was 45-3 yeah. and three down the stretch. Uh, th- th- those records will never be touched.
0: No, it, for sure, and, and obviously that's the team that ended up in Syracuse the following year with 28 straight wins. They didn't lose the bull Sunday uh, until the playoffs started, and they only lost a couple in the playoffs. So that was, that was an incredible team, and uh, unfortunately uh, just one year off from being here in Syracuse. But yeah, Coop had that team going, and he brought the same group here, and boy, they were good uh, until he got the call up to Tampa Bay.
1: All right, Lucas. Thanks for hopping on today on uh, short notice. I know this. Uh, whatever the standings say now, I understand the math on you know best three out of five, best four out of seven. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, you getting the playoffs going next week, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, so are we. Uh, much more easy to follow uh, starting next week. Thanks, Lucas. All Get right, back on is, the uh, mic.
1: Lucas... <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, Lucas Vivali. You can hear him right here with the Crunch. uh, Two more regular season games tomorrow night and Saturday night at 7 o'clock and the playoffs to follow. Back to some NFL draft talk with Matt Bovee of ABC 7 Buffalo. When we come back, we'll talk Bills. What are they going to do tonight? What is their draft plans? We'll hopefully find out some from Matt when we come back on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco.
1: Yes, it is rolling along here on a Thursday. NFL Draft Day, round one tonight. You can hear it right here on ESPN. Radio in the Qs in Utica, Brian Higgins, Mario Sacco with you. As, uh, let's talk a little Bills. We bring in Matt Bove from ABC News 7 out in Buffalo. And, you uh, know, Matt, uh, I've spent the, the show uh, being miserable about my Giants and how there's two top seven picks, and hopefully they don't screw them up. Uh, I'm very thankful they have all the Bills people in charge now because they've been getting the draft right here for the last uh, half decade. So what What's your initial uh, thoughts here as uh, we get toward pick 25 of the Bills tonight?
3: Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that they can go. Thanks for having me on, guys. I also think you should be confident about your Giants just because of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. I do believe in both of those guys. I think they're going to write the ship downstate in New York. Going into tonight, though, for the Bills, when your roster is as deep as the Bills roster is, they can go a ton of different ways, and that kind of makes it fun. I know the cliche with drafts is take the best player available. I think the Bills are kind of in a position where they can actually just take the best player available. If somebody slides a little bit, even if it's not a position that they absolutely need, they should jump at it because that's how good teams stay good. They get value in these drafts and they get impact players. If there's nobody there that they like... Maybe they trade down, maybe they take a lottery ticket on a skill position player or a running back, a wide receiver, and they make sure that their fastball stays intact because that's their bread and butter has been just scoring points on offense. So there's a lot of different ways that they can go. I think the betting favorite now is probably Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State. Some fans are losing their mind over the idea of a first-round running back. Other people are like, well... He would make an immediate impact. I think most of the fan base probably wants a cornerback, but it feels like all of the really good, strong cornerbacks are probably going to go a little before the Bills take uh, before the Bills come up and pick twenty-five.
2: Matt, finally, great catching up with you. Uh, if there was one position on the Bills roster that has you, you know, kind of scratching your head, maybe a question mark, what would it be, and how do they address it, maybe in the draft?
3: Well, it is probably cornerback, and that's just kind of circumstantial because their all-pro corner Tredavious White is coming off of an ACL injury that he suffered on Thanksgiving Day against the Saints. So I think for them, they need to figure out when is he going to be ready to go, when is he going to be able to play. If he's going to be ready for camp or for the start of the season, the cornerback position looks a lot more stable than it does right now. But if he's not – Then they are going to be relying on a seventh-round pick from a couple years ago and then a whole bunch of random players after that because their starting cornerback opposite Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, he signed with the Steelers in the offseason. So going into tonight, their starters are Tredavious White and Dane Jackson. And Dane Jackson is a bit of a question mark. So I think that's why some Bills fans are like, hey, if you go spend a first-round pick on a cornerback, You're going to have Tredavious White back at some point, and you're going to have this guy who you take in the first round. Those should be two starters for the next four, five, six years, however long it goes. So I think that's the logic behind that. That being said, it's really not that weak of a position.
1: Uh, yeah, and if uh, you know, if and when, not not even if. I mean, when Tre'Davious White is back to himself, and you know how ACLs are now, he will probably be mm-hmm. uh, ready to go around opening day, and who knows when he'll be back to complete full steam. But he's one of the best in the league. Uh, yeah, look you, look at this draft right this this draft right now. The Bills, at least it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they are not. You know, a team that drafts and then immediately shoves their first-round pick in the starting lineup. They're willing to be a little a bit patient. But now that you are right in the meaty heart of uh, the Super Bowl window, if you're the Bills, uh, do you think, Matt, they have to change that idea that they need to get somebody in the draft that is going to help them this year win the Super Bowl? Or do you stay with the tax that got you in this position in the first place?
3: I think you can find a balance, and I think that's probably where they kind of find themselves also. And Brandon being the GM has made it very clear these last couple months when we've talked to him, like, hey, listen, no move that I have made this offseason is an all-in, we-have-to-win-right-now move. So I think you can try and find ways of getting better without putting all of those chips to the middle of the table. And that's why I've warmed up to the idea of Grease Hall a little bit, because he does give you an immediate impact. He does make you a better team. Basically, from the minute you draft him, he is your new starting running back. And you have a cost-controlled running back for the next couple of years. So I think there's a balance. I think they see that their window is right now, especially with Josh Allen on the last year of his rookie deal. But they also know that as long as Josh Allen is our quarterback, we are going to have a chance to win games. And I know his salary just skyrockets next year up into you know, you know the high thirty millions. But he almost is still going to be a bargain because of when he signed his contract. Like, by the time Kyler Murray gets his new deal and Lamar Jackson gets a new deal and some of these other guys, Justin Herbert, by the time they sign their contract, they're going to be making more money than Josh Allen. And if you're the Bills, you're pretty fortunate there because I don't think there are many guys in the league better than he is.
2: I understand that the Bills have a stud wide receiver in Diggs, and you got Allen slinging him in the football. But do you see maybe the Bills looking at, at, a, at another wide receiver to, to add besides Diggs with a plethora of wide receivers in this draft?
3: So they could. I don't think they have to. And the reason I don't think they have to is because they absolutely love. Gabriel Davis, who was their fourth round pick from 2020. I mean, the last time he was on the field, he scored four touchdowns instead a <laughs> playoff record against the Chiefs. And I think probably to the rest of the country, Gabriel Davis is still a name that not too many people are familiar with. But I think here in Buffalo, he is becoming a, a rising star, and he's doing it pretty quick. So I think for them, they see him as their clear-cut number two wide receiver. That being said, it puts them back in the thing that we were just talking about a couple minutes ago. If a guy that you love slips and you're like, how do we pass this up? Then you absolutely should do it because like I said, your fastball is the passing game and you can absolutely add on to that. And of course, if injuries happen, that changes things too. If Stefan Diggs goes down for any period of time, is Gabriel Davis ready to completely be a number one? Probably not. If Gabriel Davis goes down is Jamison Crowder ready to be a number two, also probably not. So I think that puts them in an interesting position. I mean, if a guy like Jamison Williams slips or something like that, they should absolutely just run the card up and say, hey, we don't care about the injury. We can be patient with him. We don't need him to start right away. So I think wide receiver is a sneaky position that's in play tonight for them, but I kind of don't know if any of the guys that they love are going to still be sticking around. And I don't know if they value the position enough currently built to move up to
1: try and get one of those guys. Matt Beauvais of ABC News in Buffalo is our guest right now. Bills have the 25th pick in the first round of the uh, draft tonight. But, uh, Matt, let's get a little bigger picture with the Bills and specifically what Josh Allen has meant to the Bills standing within you know the other players of the league. When you see... Von Miller, coming and signing with Buffalo. That is not something that would have happened in a bajillion years as recently as two years ago. What what has Josh meant to other big-time veterans like Yvonne and whoever that may be in the future being interested in, in trying to be a part of this Super Bowl push well, in Buffalo? Hey, this is
3: life now with the franchise quarterback, and I think Bills fans are still getting used to it because – In most of their lives, they haven't had something like this. It was you know, 20 years ago when we were talking about Jim Kelly. So I think it absolutely plays a factor. And we saw it with Von Miller, obviously. But we also saw it last year with a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who has been around the league, who has won a Super Bowl, who has been on some really competitive teams. He was like, I want one more kick at the can. Where can I go that gives me a position to win? And that's why I feel like the Bills are going to have this leg up on some of the other teams that they're competing with for the next 10 years, or as long as Josh Allen is their quarterback, because you can go out and sign guys like that. We were talking about cornerback. I need for the Bills. Like, Joe Hayden still hasn't signed anywhere. And every day, Joe Hayden is posting about how he's golfing with Von Miller. And I can assure you that Von Miller is like, yo, dude, come play in Buffalo, try and win a Super Bowl. Josh Allen is the quarterback. Like, if the quarterback of the team was Tua, they're not saying, hey, come try and win a Super Bowl. Two as the quarterback. Like, there's very few players around the NFL now that are as polarizing as Josh Allen, and it's because of the big games and all of the biggest games he seems to step up the biggest, and it's just because of the style of play. that There are very few people like him. He will run past you, run through you, and jump over you, and he's a quarterback. <laughs> like, he is a specimen. He's a unicorn, and I think he absolutely is the best recruiting tool the Bills have because it's still Buffalo. It's cold. It's not a big city. There's not a million things to do, but Josh Allen's the guy. So if you're a football player and you're like, I just want to win, you probably want to come play with that guy.
2: Alright, man, I got one hockey question for you. What are they putting the C on our boy Alex Tuck?
3: Ooh, he... You know what? It's funny. So he. Everybody's like, oh yeah, he's from Syracuse. He's a fan. That's really cool. He's had a nice little career. He has just wowed everybody, both internally and externally, which is the way that he carries himself on and off the ice, the leadership that he has brought into the locker room, the lessons that he brought with him from Vegas. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens as soon as next year. That being said, there are other guys in the locker room who are maybe equally deserving, which is why I don't know if it happens. Like Kyla Poso is in the last year of a six-year contract, and for the first like three years of the contract, everybody was like, man, this guy's getting paid way too much money. He's a bust. He had his best year with the Sabres this year. He is also a, a huge leader for that team. He wears an A right now, so he's at least wearing an A next year. Maybe they give him the C for the last year of his contract. Maybe he sticks around a little bit after that. Same thing with Rasmus Dalin. Don Granato, the head coach here, adores Rasmus Dalin. He's wearing an A now, too, so I would imagine that continues. I think it might be one of those situations where maybe they give, like, three guys an A, and they just don't have a captain next year. But if they do have somebody wear the C, he is. If he's not at the top of the list, he's, like, the second guy in the list because that's how impressive he has been.
2: Well, Matt, I I need to get you this way to uh, hit the links with me, so uh, enjoy your draft coverage tonight, man.
3: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, guys, and enjoy the draft tonight.
1: All right, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. That's Matt Bovell. We'll be covering the Bills draft tonight with ABC7 News in Buffalo. The Bills with the 25th pick in the draft coming up tonight. Coverage can be heard right here, of course, on ESPN Radio locally. We'll take a final break here on the hour. Come back and wrap things up. Higgins and Sacco here on this Thursday afternoon. When we come back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.
0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco.
1: All right, uh, roll over here, NFL draft tonight. Full coverage here at 8 o'clock, 7 to 8 tonight. We'll be out at Heritage Show. Gary Gate, offensive coordinator Pat March will stop by as well. Does the American syracuse lacrosse show, final one of the year. Come out and uh, join us there. Looking forward to the Uh, That one uh, tonight with Gary and Pat out at Heritage Hill. And uh, Mario, you have, uh, during the break, you have stumbled off breaking college basketball news that exceedingly tangentially involves Syracuse University.
2: Mike, on. What more would you want to end the show with Bryson Goodine transferring to Fairfield?
1: Uh, a, A former... Ram, or where was, he? did he go? He was at Providence, so he's Prov- a, a friar that is yeah. now a stag. Jalen Carey is, is the, the Ram. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is a lot to keep track of. So uh, off to the Mac. I have no idea if Fairfield is good or not, but you know it feels like every Mac team makes a tour of the NCAA tournament uh, every now and again. So good luck to Bryson. Always He's a nice guy. Always uh, uh, liked having him around. So hopefully that uh, that is a level in which he can, uh, succeed at but it, that goes into the conversation we had a couple weeks ago doesn't it Mario that the guys that transfer out of Syracuse and uh, yes I realized Chaz Owens hit the portal yesterday but you know Frank Anselm would be the main guy this year it's for the most part and this is like north of 90 percent it's never really happened for them anywhere else
2: It's it might be closer to 95 98 percent yeah, yeah it, I was being generous yeah it, 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 it's <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean you leave here and and you haven't had success anywhere but you know th- that's for another time and you know best of luck to Bryson was always a nice kid to talk to um mm-hmm. as he tries to find another spot and tries to find a spot where he can play because one he wasn't healthy uh at Providence never got any run uh one he was healthy and, and now you know lands back in the lands in the max so to say so before we end here Brian I want your uh, first round first pick tonight in the NFL draft is it going to be Walker for-
1: Ah, man. Well, the Jags are picking the Jags usually do something that doesn't make a whole ton of sense. So yeah, Trayvon Walker first pick. And then somehow the lions who often do things that don't make a whole lot of sense. are going to get the guy that was like the best defensive player in college football that season at Michigan in Aiden Hutchinson. And then hopefully the next two picks aren't the top two offensive tackles. Cause I just need one of them on the board for the giants at five, everyone else in front of the giants. we got the jets, the Texans, Uh, The Lions and the Jags. What a better collection of teams to completely screw it up and leave exactly who the Giants want sitting at five, and hopefully the new regime of the Giants, fingers crossed, also won't screw it up because the Giants and Jets have been the two worst teams in the NFL now over the last uh, half decade. But uh, looking forward to that tonight. We'll see what my Giants end up with. We'll see if Mario's uh, Steelers have a new quarterback come tomorrow. We'll talk to Kevin Marr, uh, formerly of uh, Syracuse, on TV. Now he's down in Long Island about the Giants. And how about the Spolino brothers with we'll some uh, high school acts coverage as well coming up tomorrow. On the Block is next.